0: In view of your constant exposure to temptation and because of your previous falls and failures, do you struggle to believe that you can actually be victorious over those sinful habits? Do you battle with skepticism, unsure if God is really referring to you when he says that we are more than conquerors? Do you lack the confidence to step out, stand firm, and resist the devil? Well, welcome to the Point of Purity podcast. I'm your host, Steve Etner, author, national speaker, certified professional mentor, and purity coach for the Pure Man Ministry. This is episode 155. In this week's episode, we focus on an amazing truth found in Scripture. Based off of my book entitled, Are You a Superman Becoming God's Man of Steel?, we will discover the secret to being a Superman of God. So let's dive right into our episode entitled, Rip Open That Shirt. In any Superman movie, there's this inevitable scene It shows Clark Kent either entering into a phone booth as the mild-mannered reporter and stepping out as Superman, or simply removing his glasses and ripping open his shirt to reveal that red S that's emblazoned upon his chest. Either way, when you see that scene unfolding, you know something is about to happen. We're about to see our superhero in action. Well, throughout this mini-series, if you've been following along, then we've learned together that as a child of God, you already are a superman. As Technon Theos, son of God, you have all the power you need to be a godly man, a man of purity and a man of integrity. You are already fully equipped to fight the battle and stand victoriously over the fallen enemy. The biggest problem we run into is simply this, doubt. Because of your constant exposure to temptation, because of your previous falls and failures, because of your your, your humanness, you struggle to believe that you can actually be victorious. You battle with skepticism. I mean, let's face it, you're unsure if God is really referring to you when in Romans 8.37 he says, we are more than conquerors, because it sure doesn't feel like it. You lack the confidence to follow what James 4.7 instructs to submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and watch him flee from you. Well, in this week's episode, we're going to focus on an amazing truth found in Scripture. This truth will help you discover that your fears and your frustrations are actually unfounded and unnecessary. In fact, as we study this truth together, we're going to uncover the secret to being a superman of God. You see, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, I have a question for you. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Be honest now. What do you see? Did you ever stop to think that what you're seeing is not really you? Okay, okay. Now, if you want to get technical, when you look in a mirror, you're not seeing you. You're seeing a reflection, but that's not what I'm talking about here. The image that is being reflected in the mirror is not an image of the real you. It's just your body. It's just the the vehicle, the, the car that God has created for you to travel through life in. It's not the real you. The real you lives inside the body, inside that car. The Apostle Paul calls it our inner being or our inner man in Romans seven twenty two. It's the part of you that God cares about deeply, so deeply that he paid the ultimate price to save the real you from an eternity in hell. Just read John three sixteen and Romans five eight. So when God looks at you, my friend, he's not looking at your body. He's looking at your soul. Your heavenly Father, according to first Samuel sixteen verse seven, Sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance. The Lord looks on the heart. Man looks at your body, your flesh, and tends to judge you by external things, your looks, as well as your successes and your failures. But God sees what's inside. He sees your soul. He sees the real you. Your inner being, the inner man, is what matters to God. And he wants the real you to be totally focused on him Psalm 51 verse 6 That's when the Holy Spirit strengthens you with his power to be the superman of God you're supposed to be Ephesians 3:16 The problem we struggle with on a daily basis is our sinful flesh our humanness That's what is keeping you from living as a man of steel that God created you to be So let's talk for a few moments about your flesh Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out, Romans 7, 18. Can you relate? You want to do what's right. You want to live a life that glorifies God. You want to be a superman of God, and yet your sinful flesh, your humanness just keeps getting in the way. You struggle to live out the godliness that you feel growing inside of you. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, that we all once lived in the passions, passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath. Think about it this way. Have you ever driven a car that's out of alignment? When you let go of the steering wheel, what happens? It pulls the vehicle to the right or to the left. It naturally wants to go where you don't want it to go. And if you let go of the wheel, disaster is bound to happen, right? So to keep it on a straight path, you have to keep both hands on the steering wheel and continuously fight the pull to get off the path. Well, as a child of God, as, as technon theos, you and I are in a constant battle with our flesh. That's because the flesh is weakened by sin, Romans 8.3. Your flesh has a natural bent towards sin. The fact is, Romans 7 verse 5 tells us, while we are in the flesh, the sinful passions are at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. Your flesh is the car. It's the vehicle that you use to navigate, to travel through life. And because of sin, The car that we're driving is permanently out of alignment. It wants to continuously pull us off the path that leads us towards God. That's why when you let go of the wheel, you're going to sin. When you let go of the wheel, it's going to pull you away from God towards the sinful passions and desires. Paul described it this way in Galatians 5.17. He said, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do, Galatians 5.17. Let me tell you a little story about two brothers, Ethan and Evan. They were known around town as being less than honest businessmen. Between their their crooked dealings with businesses and and their connections to the mafia, they were mean. And, quite frankly, they were cold-blooded. Uh, You you definitely didn't want to get in bed with them. You didn't want to do business with them. And if you did, you did so at great risk, not just to the bottom line, but to your personal well-being. These guys were bad. Well, one day, Evan had a massive heart attack, and he passed away. His brother, Ethan, wanted to give his dear brother a funeral that would be remembered for a long, long time to come. So he spared absolutely no expense. Working with the funeral home, he made all the arrangements except for one. He couldn't find a preacher who would do the memorial service. Well, finally, he finds a pastor of a small community church who was willing, if Ethan would donate $15,000 to put a new roof on the church. So Ethan agreed on one condition. In the pastor's eulogy, he had to call Evan a saint. Well, the preacher agreed curiosity got the better of the town and everybody showed up for the funeral service as the music stopped the preacher stood the silence in the room was palpable everyone wondered what the preacher would say Ethan looked at the preacher the preacher looked back at Ethan cleared his throat and he began today we are here to acknowledge the man we all knew as Evan Evan was an evil man He was a liar, a thief, a deceiver, a manipulator, and a hedonist. All he cared about was himself. He destroyed the fortunes, careers, and lives of countless people in this town. Evan did every self-centered, egotistical, rotten thing you can think of, and many others you can't even begin to imagine. But, compared to his brother, Evan was indeed a saint. Well, I don't know the source of that story, but it strikes a chord, doesn't it? We, we might get a slight chuckle from that. We also know there's an element of truth to it. Now, I, I'm not saying that every human being is just as corrupt or just as wicked or just as despicable as everyone else. That, that would not be a true statement. However, every single one of us was born with a wicked, sinful nature. On the day you were conceived in your mother's womb, you were a sinner, On the day you were born, you were a sinner. Truth be told, you were born dead. Without Christ, you were alive physically, but you were dead spiritually. You would have been accurately described as the walking dead. Why? Because as Romans 6.23 tells us, the wages of sin is death. King David wrote in Psalm 51 verse 5, "Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me." The apostle Paul says very matter-of-factly in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 and 5 that before salvation we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. I emphasize this because it's important that you understand that you weren't born neutral. You didn't come into this world with the possibility of going one way or the other. No, you were born a sinner, period. You were born with an old, sinful nature. You see, a person doesn't become a thief when he steals. He steals because he already is a thief. A person doesn't become a liar when he tells a lie. He tells a lie because he already is a liar. Psalm 58 verse 3 declares, Even from birth, the wicked go astray. From the womb, they are wayward and speak lies. Remember, your flesh, your body, is just the shell, the car, the vehicle that travels through life carrying the real you, your soul, inside of it. Without Christ, the real you is dead, lifeless, without hope of ever being able to be with God in heaven for eternity. Now, listen to these verses, and I want you to consider the point that Paul's making here. In Romans 8, verses 5 through 7, here's what he writes. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. To set the mind on the flesh is death. The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. indeed, it cannot. Romans eight five through seven. A few verses later in Romans eight: thirteen we read, "If you live according to the flesh, you will die." Your old, sinful nature has No desire for, no devotion to God in any way, shape, or form because it's completely and utterly dead in sin. Your old nature focused entirely on one thing, gratifying the sinful cravings of the flesh no matter what. Anything the flesh wanted, the old nature was willing to provide no matter the cost. The Apostle Paul is telling us that before salvation, your thoughts... We're focused on fulfilling the sinful desires of the flesh. Now, if you've been following this podcast for any length of time, then you've heard me say many times that what you think strongly influences what you do. When your mind is set on fulfilling the sinful desires of the flesh, you live a life that's characterized by sinful choices. Without Jesus Christ, your mind has nothing holy and godly to help direct its thinking. However, track with me now. When you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, something very interesting happened. Something absolutely wonderful happened. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul describes it this way. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2:20. Now I want to park on this verse for just a couple of moments because Paul very clearly says I have been crucified. I no longer live. Now I want you to consider this with me. That word crucified, I have been crucified. The word means literally dead, gone, never to come back. And with that understanding then let me ask you this question, who or what died when Paul said, I have been crucified. Now, I ask this simply because the Apostle Paul's very much alive. He's sucking in air as he's writing the words of Galatians 2.20, so he's not referring to his physical body. Yet he says he's dead. He no longer lives. So what died? What is no longer around? What cannot come back to life again because it is dead? To answer that, we need to go to Romans 6, verses 6 and 7. And look at what Paul writes there. He says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for the one who has died has been set free from sin. Romans 6, 6 and 7. Did you catch that though? Our old self was crucified. Watch this now, watch this. It's your old sinful nature that was put to death. That old nature was crucified when you put your faith in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Those words, passed away, the old has passed away, means literally to perish, to come to an end, to cease to exist. Once again, we're seeing a solid statement that that old sinful nature, once you put your faith and trust in Christ, it's dead, it's gone, finito. I find it very interesting that twice now, Paul refers to that sinful nature as being old. That word old doesn't refer to chronological age, like how old are you, how many years have you been in walking planet Earth? Rather, it refers to that which you had from the beginning, the original In other words, that which you were born with, your old sinful nature. The moment that you were saved, that old nature died. But Steve, you say, I still sin. Yeah, yeah, you do. And so do I. However, as a born-again believer, you are not sinning because you still have an old sinful nature. You are sinning because you still live in a sinful body, Galatians 5.16. Okay, so after that old sinful nature was crucified, what then? What happens after that? Well, Paul answers it and he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Another way of putting it is this, you have been born again. That's why Paul said we are to Colossians 3.10, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Watch this now. God, I love this, God did not take your old sinful nature and refurbish it. He didn't give an an extreme makeover. He didn't drag it into a shop and do a major overhaul on it. He simply annihilated it and created a brand spanking new one to take its place. Then, he, the Almighty, the Most Holy, Sovereign God, the Creator of the universe, moved into that new nature. You heard right. He set up his throne room in your heart according to galatians 2:20 you were crucified with christ yes the old sinful nature no longer lives but now what jesus christ god himself now lives in you in romans chapter 8 verses 9 and 10 it says you however are not in the flesh but in the spirit if in fact the spirit of god dwells in you Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness, Romans 8, 9, and 10. Paul asks a question, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Oh, my friend, as you're listening to this episode, if you are a born-again believer, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation, then the scriptures are clear that the almighty, most holy God has taken up residency inside of you. He dwells within you. Oh, how on earth is that possible? How can a holy God, who according to Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 13, can't even look on sin, how could a holy God permanently camp out inside of you? especially when you battle with sin every day of your life? The answer is really quite simple. It's your new nature. You see, in order for God to dwell within you, he had to remove the old nature and put a new holy nature in its place. Now think about this. Based on what we saw in Habakkuk one thirteen, God can't even look upon sin. If your new nature could sin, then God could not live there. Just check out Psalm 5, verses 4 and 5, and Psalm 101, verse 7. Your new nature was created after, or literally according to the likeness of God. In other words, it's a direct reflection, or it's the exact representation of a holy God. You have a holy nature within you. And before we wrap up this week's episode, let me point out one more thing. I want you to notice that God says the new nature was created in true holiness. True holiness, literally perfect purity. That new nature is perfectly pure. Are you catching this? It's perfectly pure. It's incapable of sinning. Now consider this, God is holy. And we just saw that your new nature was created according to God's holiness. Therefore, watch this now, your new nature is a holy nature. Think about this. God's holiness means a whole lot more than just that God doesn't sin. It means he's incapable of sinning. God and sin are at polar opposites of each other for all of eternity. Now listen, your new nature was created after God's holy nature. <laughs> Is your mind blown yet? Are you struggling with tracking with me? If you'd like to learn more about this topic, I encourage you to go to to amazon.com and look up my book, Extreme Mind Makeover, How to Transform Your Sinful Thoughts and Habits into God-Pleasing Patterns of Life. Extreme Mind Makeover on Amazon. We take a deep dive into that topic. But before we wrap up, let me, let me just draw one more thought to you. You have a new nature, a holy nature that is incapable of sinning. You have the flesh that wants to sin every day. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 5, verse 17, that the flesh is in conflict with the Spirit, and the Spirit is in conflict with the flesh. Have you ever wondered why you do some of the sinful things you do when you have this holy nature within you? Have you ever asked yourself, what was I thinking? Well, we've all been there, my friend. Even the Apostle Paul battled with this issue. We're going to talk more about this in next week's episode, so stay tuned. But for right now, let's hit the pause button until next week's episode as we're going to continue our journey. We're almost done with this mini-series on Are You a Superman? Becoming God's Man of Steel. If you're a subscriber to this podcast, and you've heard me talk about the Point of Purity program. It's a 12-week, one-on-one, Bible-centered coaching program taking you deep into the Scriptures, all for the purpose of teaching you how to develop... A lifelong strategic plan for sexual purity. I'm sure you've you've heard the old adage that says you can give a fish to a man and feed him for a day, teach him to fish, and you feed him for a lifetime. That's what this program's all about, is teaching you how to dig into God's Word and develop that lifelong plan, a strategic plan for purity and godliness and integrity. I've also talked on this podcast about the various books that I've written All of them are available on my website, thepuritycoach.com, or you can just go to Amazon.com and look up my name, Steve Etner, and you can see the titles that are available. Well, if you've not yet subscribed to this Point of Purity podcast, let me encourage you to do so today. I don't want you to miss any of our upcoming episodes. Until next time, this is author, speaker, certified professional mentor and purity coach, Steve Etner, reminding you that if you're going to glorify God in your everyday living, He must first be glorified in your every moment thinking.